I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 17 of The Hilo, a weekly news and pop culture podcast hosted by writers Pandora Sykes and Dolly Alderton. It is now July. Welcome, July. Hello, July. <laughs> Three things to warn you about today. One, I'm very tired, so I might be serical, slurring my words, saying odd things. Not that different to every other week. Um, two, there are still some building work, so you might hear some sort of drilly noises and that's not um, Pandora's stomach and three you also might hear my stomach rumbling because I haven't had breakfast this morning just thought I'd caveat I wonder if our producer will keep that really riveting intro in (laughs) I just don't want them to be distracted by any background noises (laughs) so what have you been up to this week Panda well we as in me and you went to a live recording of The Guilty Feminist oh fuck it was good Um, For anyone that hasn't listened, The Guilty Feminist is a brilliant podcast. It's a comedy panel. Um, It's created by an Australian comedian called Deborah Francis-White. And she then has another host, comedian and a guest. And we were lucky enough to see two episodes recorded in one evening on Monday night. Um, It's going to be really weird listening to them afterwards. But it was also really nice seeing someone else's process. Because Mm. when we record the podcast, shock horror some things are cut out. Like if I sneeze or Dolly farts, then that will be, that will be edited out. Um, no, and it was, it's straight through start to finish. And it was nice to see you on The Guilty Feminist when the producer would just be going, can you do that line again? Tell you what, Charlie. In front he, of 400 people. I tell you what, he was far, had a far firmer hand with them than you have with us. He literally, he corralled them. Yeah. He would appear... He's like, Deb, I'm being serious. He would appear <laughs> at the stage and if they didn't immediately take notice of him, he'd just start to approach. I know. <laughs> he'd just sort of creep across the stage. But Charlie doesn't do that to us maybe he should keep us at keep us at hand it's so i would really recommend any woman going with their mother or their sister or their best friend it's like as a brother dolly or with boys but i just think being there with a really close female friend it did feel like a really powerful exciting thing it felt very sisterly and very empowering and very encouraging and very warm i just loved being there i found it a really fabulous experience so if you want to meet dolly go to a live recording of the i'll be there every bloody week now dressed as a suffragette (laughs) she'll be there every monday um i also just finished the handmaid's tale book yes a book yeah it which was brilliant but an unsatisfactory ending no don't tell me I'm going to have to go and do loads of Googling because I'm a woman who lacks independent thought when it comes to the ending of a novel. I need to find out what everyone thinks has happened. I um, always do that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, what happened at the end, even though I've read it? I, I, I'm not very good with inconclusive endings. You know, when it's like, when an author goes, I just wanted to leave it kind of up to the reader's interpretation. No, tell me exactly what happened to every single I'm character and then how they died 30 years later. I'm the same. Mate, but I'm not even that good with conclusive endings. I watched <laughs> Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy where it was very obvious that they revealed who the mole was and I turned around to my ex-boyfriend and I was like, so we never find out. 
He's like, how can you miss this? Oh, don't, you wouldn't want to get Ollie started on that. He's like, you're the only woman I know who literally struggles with a chick flick. Oh, yeah, yeah I even... do as well. I do, I watch Beaches. I know? just can't suspend my disbelief, ever. Me neither. Have you seen the film Beaches? No. God, it's a seminal um, sort of weepy girl film. And um, there was a moment in it where one of the characters finds out that she's dying and she's in floods of tears. And I found myself turning around to Farley saying, why is she upset? I was like, Jesus Christ, Dolly, you've got a 2-1. Come on, you must be able to... I'm just very slow with films. What, because you didn't understand that she died? No, I just didn't understand. (laughs) I somehow missed it. Anyway. (laughs) So don't ever go and see a film. There's a lot of people who won't go and see a film with me, actually. Um, (laughs) But I don't need to go see films because I'm watching Love Island. Oh, Christ. This is an epidemic that sweeps the nation. It's an absolute epidemic. I read a piece in The Times on Saturday which said that... um, it's an anthropological experiment and that anthropologists would have a field day with this, which I loved because the premise of the high-low is all about elevating the ridiculous to the sublime. Yeah. <laughs> Only I was watching it. We they were talking about it. Special. Dolly, it's consistently the bane of my life that you are never watching either what I'm watching or just what everyone else is watching. <laughs> You're off watching Sodding Downton when everyone else is watching, like, The Handmaid's Tale or something. Although you I, are, I know you're watching that. I know you're watching that. I'm Finally watching a finger that. on the zeitgeist pulse. Unless you watch it, you just don't realise, because I was very dismissive of it before. I was like, oh, I don't want to get sucked in something else. I, You know, I know these programmes I've been sucked in before. And then I watched one and I am now so incredibly riveted by these group of people. It's just, I don't know if it's the timing, that we all need some light relief. I really enjoy the equality in it. It is very... Uh, is not just men making all the decisions. Some weeks it will be the girls making all the decisions. The partnerships that are unfolding are not just man chases women, women giggles and submits. It's not like that at all. It's very representative. It's really diverse, except for sizing. They're all incredibly thin. That's the only thing I have a slight problem with. Helen said it's just very sweet and funny, and she also said... It is really sweet. She said it's it's not that sexual and dirty, actually. It's not sexual, although there was quite a lot of um, bonking on Monday night. But they're not vile to each other. They're just not horrible to each other. And they really... That's so rare. Even if they don't really like someone, instead of voting them out, they'll be like, well... You know, I can see him really pursuing something and that's why he's here. He's here to find love and, you know, he's been brave and put himself out there. And so, you know, for that reason, I'm going to keep him in the house. And it's Mm. like, I love it. But Ollie, it keeps getting so annoyed me because I keep calling it love, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Like like an 100-year-old woman. Richard Curtis Tourette's. I've got Richard Curtis Can you believe that all of this started from a programme many years ago in which, was it Paul Denan? Charlie's nodding furiously. I never watched that one. Oh, I didn't watch the one with Bianca. Bianca and Callum Best. And what was the other one, Charlie? Charlie's nodding is obviously the academic on this. Lee Sharp was very successful. Yes! Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp, like an it girl. Victoria Harvey or Tara Bolton? Abby Titmus, he was with. Abby Titmus! Oh my God, we found Charlie's mastermind specialist subject. He's saying this without notes as well. The original Love Island. When was it, Charlie? It was years ago, wasn't it? I'd say it was 10 years ago. 10? Maybe 12. (laughs) Maybe I think 12. that literally launched... You know to the date, Charlie. You know, that like launched Callum Best's quote-unquote career. But X on the Beach is on after Love Island. And I feel really sorry for it because it's just doing appallingly. Everyone's really mean on it and no one's watching it. I don't feel sorry for X on the Beach because I came up with an idea very similar to X on the Beach years ago. 
and everyone told me it was a terrible idea. So that's why you don't feel sorry for X on the Beach? No. <laughs> I've read some brilliant pieces of journalism this week as well. Did you see the piece by Roxanne Gay in The Guardian? No, I flagged it because you sent it to me. I will read it. <laughs> don't even remember sending it to you. you um, to that's like, that just sounds really passive aggressive. Did you see that article <laughs> that you sent me? Um, it's so brilliant. Her new book, Hunger, essentially about being a fat woman, comes out tomorrow. Um, I loved her other books. I've read both Difficult Women and Bad Feminist, I want to say, is the other one? Yes, it is. Um, yeah. I've read both of those this year. Difficult Women only came out this year and she's got Hunger out this year, so she's on a goddamn roll. But it was really interesting reading this, reading this piece because she is... Um, She's not just fat, she's medically or clinically obese. She was saying she's six foot three and at her heaviest she's she weighed five hundred and seventy pounds. She now God, weighs I find this fascinating. She now weighs about four hundred pounds. Um but it's really interesting because I loved reading it because to be fair, I haven't read it all and I got excited by how much I enjoyed it and then shared it with people and then sort of forgot to come back and read the end, which is, which is terrible, I know. But I didn't get this feeling of um, a kind of lack of confidence or a sadness. I felt like she was very sure of who she was mm. and who she is as a woman who inhabits a lot of space. And then another brilliant article I read was in the Sunday Times on Haredi Jews, of which a subsect is the... Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, it could be Haredi Jews. Um, a subsect of them are Hasidic Jews. And it was just the most brilliant article. I sent you the link to that as well, Passive Progressively, so you can read it. Um, but it just really summed up for me my issues with religion, for want of another word, because the Haredi or Haredi Jews within the faith, the women are both the baby makers and mm. they're not allowed contraception, so they have up to 10 children. Mm. Historically, they'd have about 15. And they are also the breadwinners. The men read literature from the age of 14 to... 96. What a nice life. Yeah, that's what they do. And the women do everything. Well, this is what's so interesting. Looping back to The Handmaid's Tale, I was listening to Margaret Atwood's Desert Island Discs last oh, week. Oh, I want to listen to that. It's very good. When was it out? Beautiful. Is it a new one? No, 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 old one. Oh, it's right. in the archive. She's got this beautifully soothing Canadian voice. It's lovely. And something that I didn't realise is that every single perverse detail of The Handmaid's Tale that seems extraordinary and how the hell did Margaret Atwood come up with that and so awful and misogynistic, every single detail of that book comes from history. Nothing that she wrote in terms of how that dystopian society works, she invented. It came from either religion, old scripture or other cultures around the world. How interesting. Mm. So it's, we look at it and we think, oh, how far removed. Well, it ain't. It happened. What about you? What have you been up to this week, Dolly? Aside from moving into your own place oh, and God. contending it's, with Thames no Water and Ikea? <laughs> My dad very kindly said, let's go to Ikea because he's got this car and he's like, and we'll pick up some stuff for your new flat and we can drive back to yours. And of all the flat-packed furniture, it was probably sticking out, I would say, half a metre, all the boxes. And he just left the door open, tied it with a bungee rope, and is, then, that's quite common. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I did it when I bought my coffee table about five years oh ago. Oh, my God. I'm it, not sure if it's legal, though. It's definitely not legal. And we had to drive down the motorway to get back to Camden. And he just, I was hot. I was so, so scared. And first of all, he said, this is good for your anxiety. Like, it's a good sort of therapeutic exercise. And then he said, oh, honestly, sweetheart, it's London. They've seen it all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this week I haven't really been consuming much culture or anti-culture because I've just been, like, sorting out this flat, which is taking up so much time. I did go and watch, I went to the cinema to go watch Baby Driver, Edgar Wright's new film. It's had brilliant reviews despite oh, having the world's worst brilliant. trailer. 
Yeah, the trailer does it a disservice, I think, because it just kind of reduces it to look like a sort of flashy action movie, which it isn't. It is a masterpiece. Everyone should go watch it. First of all, it's like, did you watch Birdman? No, I never did, actually. It's got that Birdman quality and that the whole thing almost feels like it's done in one take because it is an action movie, but it's choreographed in this very balletic way. Balletic. So it's almost like a very long dance from start to finish. And there's also a continuing soundtrack, which you understand when you watch the film. It's an integral part of the narrative music. So there's only really a few minutes of the whole film where music isn't played. So for music lovers as well, it's this incredible synesthesia. This experience is like so sensory. Um, and also any person like me who did some um, pathetic little film studies module at university will notice that there are lots of lovely references to Bonnie and Clyde and a bout de souffle. So it was like... Bout de what? A bout de souffle. What's a bout de souffle? Breathless. What? Am I saying that right, Charlie? I don't know why now you've just become the authority for everything. What does Bouda Souffle mean? It's breathless in French. Does it? It's a Truffaut film. Oh my god, I a love Bouda that. A Bouda Souffle. Was it Souffle? What? So as in you, you've no left... doubt we'll have many tweets from people. So you would know. go, oh my god, I've just gone on a run and it's left me Bouda Souffle. Well, let's have a go. Let's try and get it into <laughs> common parlance. Uh, but yeah, I frequently Bouda Souffle. There are lots of references to that as well, which is very satisfying for anyone who's. Um, as I said, done a film studies module once ten years ago. So yeah, I would recommend everyone. So you go like see Baby it. Driver? You've also got intel on our Goodreads profile, haven't you? Oh yes, I have. The Thank plot you thickens so much. For I'm so sorry that we've been so impatient with you, uh, dear listeners, about how you keep sending us vaguely whiny tweets and messages about how you can't find our Goodreads profile. We have the answer. We have an email from Helen. She says it took me ages to find you in Goodreads. It's because the search function is super sensitive to spacing. Annoyingly, I can't remember if the final successful search was with or without spaces. Sorry, I think it was without. But I know that that's what has made the difference after quite some time fruitlessly searching. Love, Helen. So thank you, Helen. So I think if you put in the high-low show all one word, then you might have more success finding us. And also, sorry for bitching about your whining. Um, Also, another super helpful email that we got from a reader, which is slightly irrelevant, but in the time of um, festivals and tent sex and general dehydration I thought would be good to share hello Dolly and Pandora my sister and I are obsessed brackets hatching with the hilo this is just a quick email as just now Dolly's talk of her UTI came to mind (laughs) not sure why but hey ho and I realised I must tell you about a miracle vitamin that has cured many of my infections over the years a friend told me about these years ago and since I've been a convert and feel that these are a girl gospel where the knowledge must be passed on they are cranberry fort or forte f-o-r-t-e by seven seas they can be bought in boots for about five or six pounds a tub but you will soon see these are priceless and uh, how would you say that name Annalise Annalise Tent sex, oh, gross. Thanks very much for introducing that into the high-low. But also, we have to stop using the word obsessed, specifically said. I have to say, I'm obsessed. I blame you. Okay, fine, I started it, but I'm now much better at monitoring it. My sister says that you've made me into a terrible person. (laughs) Specifically because... Shout out to Enna, thank you very much. (laughs) Speaking of um, books and Goodreads, we're really excited to have our next author special, our monthly author special next week, with the journalist and author Elizabeth Day. So Elizabeth will be here to talk about her latest book, which I believe is her fourth, called The Party, which I read and adored. 
if you liked Donna Tartt's Secret History, then you'll absolutely love the party. So we've got her coming on next week. She's also a brilliant journalist and just an all-round good gal. So, you know, come back and listen. <laughs> the Hilo is sponsored by NARS. And this week, I'd like to wax lyrical on their new Sunwash Diffusing Bronzers. Uh, their Sunwash Diffusing Bronzers launched in May and are available in four different shades because bronzing is not one size fits all and I wish I could have told that to my teenage self. Um, <laughs> the four shades include their two iconic original bronzers, Laguna and Casino. All my friends seem to use Laguna. I'm a Laguna girl. Are you a Laguna girl? Yeah. Sunwash offers a lighter application and they're also matte with the idea that it's got a second skin feel so it's not sort of heavy or claggy in any way. They ring in at £29. Thank you very much to NARS. I think it's time for the top line, Pandora. I was really excited this week talking of the top line because Ollie and I finally heard producer Charlie's The Top Line soundtrack outside of this podcast. We were watching telly last night and this advert came on. It was like, da 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 da. Hi and low. Yeah, where did you find that? <laughs> it's in the charts, isn't it? It's a new song. From, from last year, yeah. For anyone that thought we was finding some really amazing, like, obscure I reference. thought it sounded like the Pet Shop Boys. I thought Charlie's got some vintage beats. No, it's not a vintage beat. No. Anyway, so um, I'll just sing along, because it's Dolly's turn to do the top line this week. Cristiano Ronaldo has become a father for the second time. He shared his news via a social media post in which he welcomed his twins to the world, a baby boy and a girl born by a surrogate mother. Theresa May stands accused of using £1 billion of public money to seal what has been deemed as a bribe and a grubby deal with the DAP. This is all as a result of her disastrous snap election gamble. The Cabinet has been informed that 100% of all cladding samples from tower blocks around Britain have failed fire safety tests. Local authorities submitted 95 samples from tower blocks in 32 English local authority areas for testing in the wake of the Grenfell Tower tragedy. The prevalence of illegal flammable cladding across UK tower blocks has been called a systemic problem. A new study has proved that seemingly healthy vegetable crisps contain very high levels of fat. A nutritional analysis of a typical pack of vegetable crisps revealed most contain only two-thirds vegetable, while the other third is a mixture of unhealthy oil and salt. (laughs) The number of nurses and midwives leaving the profession has risen 51% in just four years, with those under the age of retirement declaring it to be because of low pay and poor working conditions. Nigella Lawson has been blasted on social media for sharing a recipe for what she calls old-fashioned tomato salad as her recipe of the day, which calls for some sliced tomatoes and some salad cream drizzled on top. (laughs) The Local Government Association has released new research that shows one in seven London residents spend a whopping 50% of their salary on rent. Lucinda Chambers, the ex-fashion director of Vogue, who worked at the magazine for 35 years, has given a tell-all interview to Vestodge, in which she revealed she was fired unceremoniously, that she hasn't read Vogue in years, and that, in fashion, we're always trying to make people buy something they don't need. We don't need any more bags, shirts or shoes, so we cajole, bully or encourage people into buying. 
Gail Newland, who made headlines in 2015 for tricking a female friend into having sex with her by pretending to be a man, has been found guilty for three charges of sexual assault for the second time. News presenter Jon Snow has apparently been given a telling off from Channel 4 after having allegedly chanted, fuck the Tories, at Glastonbury. A spokesperson for the news programme said he was reminded of his responsibilities around due impartiality. Da, 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 da. High and low. <laughs> Great top line. Particularly interested in. Um, I'm on John Snow's side. Always. I love John Snow. Love that you got a bit pissed at Glastonbury and was like, "Fuck the Tories." But I he is. John he's Snow. in more than like a ticking off. There's been calls for his firing because he is very much meant to be impartial. Yeah, his, it his, wasn't his wisest move. His desert island discs are very good, actually, and he. Talks. I love that Dolly's like, yeah, okay, I hear you, but um, it can't be a bad man. He did a very good desert island disc. And also, I produced him once in like a comedy one-off for Made in Chelsea, where he played this sort of dastardly heartbreaker of Chelsea, and he was just a dream. How much I did just you have to loved him to do that. He did. It was for the Channel Four mashup thing where they kind of swap. Where they so like the eight out of ten cats people did countdown or the oh know. right so we got Channel Four news we got Jon Snow to kind of play Cheska's boyfriend and he was very funny and he was genuinely a really lovely warm compassionate man and I think we need people like that in the news yeah I think there will be uproar if he does actually get fired and I like his jazzy ties my mother would love the sound of that sliced tomato salad with some salad it's cream very 70s isn't yeah, it yeah sa- salad cream just is I, oh, I used to have it at school and I absolutely couldn't bear it I'm really sad to hear that about midwives my sister is a midwife so it's yeah. a situation I know you know I know we read a lot about it particularly last year um, with Jeremy Hunt and a lot of the decisions he made but I just don't think and the only reason I know is because my sister is a midwife but I just don't think anyone realises the kind of workload. I mean, she works at Chelsea in Westminster and they deliver way more babies than their unit's mm. meant to. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, for better or for worse, there's a lot of healthcare tourists. So yeah. typically her unit delivered a third more babies than they have the staff and space to do so. When she used to work nights, she would work 8pm until 8.30am 12 and a half hour shift and she said she would rarely have time to pee and then these people are paid what is considered a sort of entry level salary in mm-hmm. most positions having trained for seven years so I'm really sad but not remotely surprised to hear that it's gone up 51% it's a disaster in, yeah in four years um, and shout out to Lucinda Chambers for being fucking amazing honest about the industry I feel like it's happening more and more at the moment which I really like that piece was taken down temporarily I know I couldn't find and it and put back up oh is it I, back up now back up yeah and a lot of people were wondering if it was Condé Nast trying to figure out if they could sue her Mm -hmm. realising they can't it's Wimbledon season and I'm very excited to be going next week for my first time but of course that also means there is a Wimbledon spat this year's comes to you via John McEnroe and Serena Williams McEnroe said that if Serena was a male tennis player, she would be, quote-unquote, like 700th. Serena won the Australian Open earlier this year, some of you may remember, whilst two months pregnant, something I'm completely astounded by. Anyway, she responded to McEnroe asking him to respect her. She wrote on Twitter, Dear John, I adore and respect you, but please, please keep me out of your statements that are not factually based. I've never played anyone ranked there, nor do I have time. Respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby. 
Good day, sir. It's also worth remembering that um, Serena has won the Grand Slam 23 times. Anyway, McEnroe apologised, and then her Vanity Fair cover came out, where she looks resplendent and naked, save but for a belly chain. And he then went and told ESPN, Serena said to me, respect my privacy. And then I saw her doing a Demi Moore lookalike thing on the cover of Vanity Fair. Have you seen her cover, doll? Yeah, I think it's just breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah, she looks sensational. So the issue here is twofold. Yeah, exactly. It's twofold. Firstly, the idea of comparing men and women in sport. Um, as Chris Evert rightfully said when McEnroe asked him what he thought about the whole thing, um, Chris Evert said, it's not relevant. It's apples and oranges. The second issue is that McEnroe is suggesting that Serena is not allowed respect or privacy because she has modelled for this iconic and beautiful Vanity Fair cover is obviously problematic. Would McEnroe have posed naked for Annie Leibovitz and Vanity Fair at the height of his career? I don't know and I don't care. He was too busy being an uber brat of the tennis world. Slamming her Vanity Fair cover is basically just very shaming. What the subtext of that is, is that women are lucky enough to be in the sporting world and, you know, they, they're lucky enough to be taken seriously. Don't push your luck and try anything else. Serena Williams's body is the tool of a champion. It's a marvel to behold and to see her carrying a baby is visually just a stunning thing but it's also just a, a powerful beautiful image to have a pregnant black woman on the front of a magazine like that rather than her body being used in the back of a music video or however else society deems a black female body should be fetishized or viewed and also male sports players capitalize on their physique all the time to my shame, I had a photo of David Ginola, which was taken by Mario Tessino on my wall when I was at boarding school, and he's completely naked. And beyond that, he has the largest bush you'd ever, you've ever seen. No shame in that, Dolly. And he's got like this, it looks like a giant merkin, and he's sort of just proudly showing off how his big pubic bush. And he looks absolutely amazing. And if male sports players are allowed to kind of enjoy these fun slightly more frivolous sides of being an athlete I don't understand why women can't and when when they do you know it's decided that it's somehow silly or demeans their talent also you can't help but say Rafa Nadal and not think of his incredible body and how visible that body has been yeah it's what they're known for they work fucking hard on it it was interesting as you were talking about seeing pregnant black women in kind of highly visible places it did actually make me think and this is a music video but it's her music video rather than someone else's did make me think of Beyonce and all of the imagery she'd been putting out Mm. when she was pregnant with her twins and these amazing outfits very much heralding her bump and um I do think as you say this is not something we've seen a huge amount of and for that reason it's really great aside from the fact that it's also just a beautiful cover but of course, McEnroe wasn't really kind of considering the, the socio-gender yes. point of that. But to go back to this idea of, you know, if she was a male tennis player, she'd be ranked like 700th. The thing is, is that men are stronger than women in general. That's just biology. And I really liked Victoria Corrin on this, actually. She was writing in The Guardian. I'm just going to read a excerpt. 
If the amazing Serena Williams would really be 700th in the world if playing against men, then this would mean that skill, technique and hand-eye coordination have become effectively irrelevant in tennis compared with brute strength and force. And if that is true, then John McEnroe might want to consider piping down about it for fear of turning off the audience and jeopardising his revenue stream. Even if he had got the theoretical ranking correct, what's his point? That physically stronger tennis players have an advantage over smaller ones? Like, duh, Serena Williams is competing in a different class. You might just as well say that Ricky Hatton wouldn't have done so well if he had to fight Anthony Joshua. Or Bradley Wiggins couldn't cycle over the finish line faster than Lewis Hamilton could do it in a car. What's the point of saying it? Just to belittle a fellow sportsman's achievement? It doesn't tell us anything about the player's innate ability. As you said, there are biological discrepancies generally between a female physique and a male one, but obsessing over them is childish and irrelevant. And also, she may not be as physically strong as you say, but that is still just speculation because how do we know but she certainly is as skilled and that's the thing that matters I think it's not so much that he compared a female and a male tennis player for me but that he felt like it was a as Victoria says a relevant point to make when sport is already known to be misogynistic and male focused so to put that narrative into the forum just feels quite unhelpful and I don't know where the hell he got 700th from but something else that really depressed me if I'm honest is the commentary around it I was on one website and everyone was writing John I'm with you she's gross and there are a number of reasons why these people had deemed this gross and they're all as galling as each other firstly that she is black internet forums are still shockingly racist places I'm astounded by what I find under the line, as it's called in journalism. Secondly, it was considered gross because she's heavily pregnant. The idea that a woman can only be a sexual being or a mother is a long-held problem in society, and especially ironic given that one leads to the other. Third, it's depressing because Serena is not fragile or dainty or what we have been historically taught is feminine and womanly. She's big and brawny and powerful, and because of that, she has been criticised as being manly and mannish, as if that's in any way relevant and that a female athlete is still ranked first and foremost with her physicality is still a depressing reality and also just really sad that yet again when she's kind of platformed on this amazing magazine looking incredible it's still just a conversation that erupts and I can't even imagine what it must feel like for her to stay dignified in the face and of that. And she has stayed very dignified. She's showed him manners that she just really doesn't owe him I think. It's one story, but exposes so much of how we view women and women's bodies, and especially black women's bodies, and it's very depressing. McEnroe's criticism of Serena is not particularly new, and she's obviously aware of the inherent sexism in sport even now. I read this amazing thing that she'd said, which was, I would have been called the greatest a long time ago if I was a man. Naysayers have pointed out that the endurance needed for men's tennis, which involves much longer matches, means that after the age of 30, you inevitably decline, whereas women with their shorter match arrangement have a longer career in them, allowing them to win more Grand Slams. But fun fact for you, thrown up by the internet, in 1998, Serena and Venus Williams said that they could beat any man ranked 200 or worse in a game of tennis. So there you go, she's pitching herself at 200th. So McEnroe, give her the dignity and the respect and the privacy to allow her to put herself 500 places above yours. Support for this week's episode of The Hilo comes from Sainsbury's Home. Sainsbury's Home prides itself on delivering great quality, design-led products at very reasonable prices. 
This summer, Sainsbury's Home has launched a sumptuous collection of home accessories, bedding and tableware in metallic colours and rich textures, inspired by traditional Moroccan designs and print. I love a Moroccan textile. I've actually considered getting an EasyJet flight to Marrakesh simply to stock up on home furnishings. I like your use of the singular there, a Moroccan textile. Well, look, (laughs) Dolly, you don't have to do that anymore because you can just go online or visit one of 400 Sainsbury's that stocks the Sainsbury's Home homeware. If you're a millennial with a love of luxurious velvet and touches of gold and marble, a.k.a. Dolly Hannah Alderton, this will be right (laughs) up your street. You could be in with a chance of winning a bundle of prizes from the range. Each week after the high-low goes live, a Moroccan looks... Do we call it looks or looks, Pandora? <laughs> I could go with Lux. Lux. Moroccan Lux image will be posted on the at Sainsbury's Homes Instagram account, allowing you to enter up to four times. Just follow at Sainsbury's Home, like the Moroccan Lux photo that mentions the Hilo, and leave a comment tagging a friend who you think would also like to enter the competition. The competition ends on the 28th of July. And while I'm getting unbelievably stressed in my new flat, sorting out council tax and going on two-hour treasure hunts for the boiler, why? <laughs> they always put in really weird places um, I'm drawing on the Sainsbury's home ethos which is that it's the little things that make a house a home thank you very much to Sainsbury's home not only has it been ruled that Ed Sheeran can no longer rule the charts starting from July artists will only be allowed their three most popular songs in the top 100 same but Ed Sheeran has also revealed that he's quit Twitter because he can no longer face the abuse this made me very sad because success and trolling seem to go hand in hand. Why do we live in this vile world, Dolly? Do you know what's funny is I still don't think I could name you one Ed Sheeran song. That's Dolly's takeaway, by the way. <laughs> but I have a new fondness for Ed Sheeran. I really like him because I read a brilliant interview with him in the Sunday Times magazine a couple of weeks ago. Me too. With Patrick Doyle. Yeah, it was great. It was so, so good. My God, it made me feel tired reading it though. He got energy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he got, it's a really brilliant old school celebrity interview. Old school, you're not allowed to follow someone around for three days anymore. No, and it's like he ends up getting really drunk in Ed Sheeran's kitchen and Ed Sheeran like plays his guitar. And he stays in his spare room. And he stays in his spare room. And because PR has just killed those kind of proper three-dimensional celebrity profiles, it's such a joy to read because you just really feel like this is Ed Sheeran uncensored. Yeah. And it's a real kind of taste of his life. But he came, I think he did a GQ one last year or this year it was quite recently and he comes across brilliantly in that as well but also it just goes to show the number Pandora and I whenever we've done celebrity interviews more often than not there is a publicist with their back to you in the corner of the room and it just kills these profiles stone cold dead because actually if you trust your talent to if they're a good person they'll come across well Ed Sheeran never has people monitoring him in the room and the interviews are always fantastic because he's a great guy well we were both obsessed ah, I can't use that word we were both <laughs> really into his desert island discs yeah I yeah. mean I literally wanted to marry him after he's that. just he seems like a really lovely authentic person and it makes me really sad reading this because the feeling that I got off reading this really good interview, you should go online and read it. It will be behind the Sunday Times paywall, but it's uh, worth signing up for it. Um, you get the feeling off this big profile that he's a very anxious person and what induces his anxiety is feeling harassed by his fans or by people in general. And he says as well in his Desert Island disc that there's basically nowhere that he can go now without being hounded other than kind of, I think he says one 
local pub in his town that he grew up in in Suffolk. And I just think that's no way to live. And I think that's why most of the people who work for him are his school friends, because I think it makes him very kind of stressed feeling that, as it would anyone, feeling that kind of level of harassment. And also something I picked up on in the interview is that whenever he starts being recognised constantly or people keep coming up to him, he kind of turns to drink. And wouldn't you, you know, to kind of escape that? Yeah, Elton John sort of says that. He's like, my God, the boy can... He's not much interested in drugs, but my God, the boy can drink. Yeah, another reason as well that I'm very interested that he has... um a lot of his school friends working for him is he said that they basically stop him from being a real dickhead mm. and and Patrick was like yeah but do they really I mean you're still paying their wages and he's like no no they really stop me from being a dickhead yeah, they've yeah. stopped me from being a dickhead before but also just to correct myself I don't want it to seem turned to drink to sound like he's an alcoholic it just seems like the way that he kind of decompresses from that low level of anxiety is to have a drink because most people would he was recently accused of using a backing track at Glastow and he tweeted afterwards, never thought I'd have to explain it, but everything I do in my live show is live. It's a loop station, not a backing track. Please Google. But I think if he hadn't been criticised for that recently, it would have been something else. I had a look at some of the criticism that gets tweeted at him and often it's that he's ginger or that he's fat or that he's smug. I've actually heard people before being, oh, that's something about Ed Sheeran that really pisses me off. And I'm like, what could conceivably piss you off about him? But like any celebrity, I mean, you know, Taylor Swift gets it. They all get it when they are tremendously successful. And Dolly, as you know, I get very upset when celebrities suffer. I know, you should open some sort of celebrity protection charity. What would you call it? RSP. I couldn't call it RSPC because children are more important than celebrities, apparently. But I could call it um, RSPS, the Royal Society for the Protection of Stars. There we are. That's your next project sorted. (laughs) So in February, um, Twitter rolled out an auto-lock on users who swore at celebrities or people of interest. And for a first offence, you'd be logged out of your account for 12 hours, which I think was a really interesting, positive step. Um, So, for example, a developer called Victoria Pierce was logged out of her account for writing fuck you to Mike Pence. It doesn't seem to have done much good because we keep hearing of instances like this. And also, swearing isn't really at the root of being really vile. Saying to someone you're a fucking wanker is not nearly as bad as you're a terrible, evil person and no one likes you and no one will ever love you and you will die alone. I mean, I shudder even saying that. It seems so brutal. And there's no swearing in that, Twitter. You sent it to me on WhatsApp this morning. I did. Um, I'm also not really sure about that rule because it's. I'm not encouraging anyone to troll, obviously, but I do think Mike Pence might maybe be more deserving of a of a fuck you than Ed Sheeran. But also, like, what about our slowly non-celebrities? Is it just celebrities where you get locked out? Or if, like, I said fuck you to you, would I get locked out? Well, there's only one way to test it. <laughs> Lady Gaga responded to Ed's decision with an Instagram post. What an incredible, talented artist. I love Ed, in capitals. Teddy's photos deserves all our love and respect like all humans do. I wish all people on the internet would be positive and loving and a part of creating an online community that is kind and empowering, not hateful and mean. There's no reason to tear down an artist simply because they are on top. That's the key thing there, I think, is the idea that once you get really successful, you are quote-unquote too 
too big for your boots and you need to be torn down, particularly happens with women. Work harder to be kinder, everybody. This should be your first duty to humanity, Lady Gaga said. Now, obviously, there are worst examples of celebrities quitting social media. Ed Sheeran just said that he just felt really upset reading like nasty comments all the time. But Lena Dunham no longer runs her own Twitter account. She said it was not a safe space for her, which sounds more precious than it is. It was. It's not that it wasn't a safe space. It was that it was incredibly um, dangerous that the tweets she were receiving and the abuse she receives in general absolutely enrages me She's, she was called a racist um, she was called a paedophile because in her book she said that as a young girl she was really curious about her little sister's body and she once put like a stone or something in her little sister's vagina to see what would happen and Every single one of us as a child will have been at some point preoccupied or curious about genitalia. I remember asking my little cousin to show me his William in return. I would show him my vagina. We were in the nursery, we were four and five. Like, it's really, really natural to be um, completely intrigued by physicality as a child. And I'm sorry, like, a child putting a stone in their little sister's vagina. Every family will have some weird story about Mm. someone putting pennies up their bum or peas in their nose or fish fingers in their ears I don't know mm. but anyway so the, so the abuse she got made me completely insane I just have to apologise to my cousin or anyone that knows him um, and also do you remember Leslie Jones who received the most disgusting racial abuse around the Ghostbusters movie mm. and it was completely egged on by that wanker Milo Yiannopoulos who's now been banned from Twitter but Twitter literally did nothing and it got to the point where Jack Dorsey just tweeted being like hey Leslie want to chat and it's like well, I mean it's a bit late but I really believe that a celebrity has a right to a life untrolled I think we all do and I loathe the way it's become normalised to be a total dickhead and the things that people write on celebrity accounts absolutely stagger me to the point where I really wanted to write an article on um, teenage trolls because it's particularly prevalent amongst teenagers. It's really normalised for a 15-year-old girl just to go onto Kylie Jenner's profile and be like, you're such a bitch, I hate you. Mm. Like, it's it's completely normal. And I wanted to write this article, but I didn't dare pitch it because I knew I would be trolled for writing it. <laughs> I pussied out. Have you ever trolled a celebrity? Donna? Not unless you count that goldsmith, but that wasn't really trolling. It was more <laughs> sexual harassment. And you liked it. I have it on good authority. Um, there was a very funny incident with um, Michael Winner, may he rest in peace, when he was on Twitter. And do you remember he was quite a prevalent... He was quite mad on Twitter when he no, was... No, I don't remember that. He was quite nutty. He would he would just kind of tweet quite bizarre things and he, he really let himself get whipped up by people who were kind of obviously having a joke at his expense. My friend Sarah Hicks sent him a series of these would-you-rather tweets. And you know he was a kind of gourmet... She sent him a tweet once saying, Hi, Michael. I would like to know, would you prefer to eat every day for the rest of your life a ham sandwich for every meal, brackets, cheap ham, or any dish that you would like, but you'd have to know there was a tiny bit of poo in it? And he just replied, You're not as funny as you think you are, Sarah. Get a life. (laughs) What would you you rather? Oh, I think the cheap ham sandwiches it had to be. As a vegetarian? I don't want to eat poo, Pandora. That should be pretty obvious now. Yeah, but I, there'd be a tiny bit somewhere and I'd get to eat delicious food. Oh, dear. Shitty duh. <laughs> <laughs> Just side note, quickly. Why was Michael Winner so rich? Um, I don't know, actually. He did a programme that I was very keen on called Winner's Dinners. He was phenomenally rich. I want to know why. 
Oh, he was a director. Okay. He was a film director. Also, did you know, what a Michael Winaway to go? And, and I'm not making light of it, obviously it was a tragedy. What a Michael Winaway to go? He, um, it was a bad oyster that finished him off. Well, is there a chic way to go? I know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's now time for Ask the Hilo. Thank you so much to anyone who has emailed questions. If you would like to write to us with any questions, queries, praising, complaints, criticism, <laughs> you can email us at show at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at show. And also, while I'm plugging us, please do rate, review and subscribe to The Hilo on iTunes. It really helps us and it also helps other people find the podcast. It does. We've got two questions this week that we're going to read out. One serious and one slightly less serious. Dolly, do you want to kick us off with the first one? Hi, Dolly and Pandora. My best friend suffers from severe anxiety and depression and has recently attempted committing suicide. I've tried to be there for her, but the worst thing about it all is knowing there's nothing I can do. I constantly feel scared, frustrated and helpless. Do you have any advice? Please help. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think that we read and talk a lot about what it is to suffer from anxiety and depression, Mm. not necessarily as someone that that suffers from depression, but it's quite rightly a topic that we're talking about a lot in society because mental health issues have just escalated so much. Um, But we don't also just just talk, being honest about them is what has kind of escalated. But we don't often talk about what it is to be the support system Mm. in that scenario. Mm. You know, what is it for the person who's experiencing the anxiety and depression secondhand as someone that loves that person very Mm. much? And I feel for you because you have a complete lack of control over the situation because essentially you are trying to reason with an unreasonable being because anxiety and depression is unreasonable. It's unfathomable and unexplainable and it doesn't follow any linear logic. So you probably feel very helpless as well as feeling very sad and desperate to help your friend. And I imagine at times, and it's okay to feel like that, frustrated and pissed off and just wanting her to get better and to love life again and and to join you back in a happy and fulfilled life. You have my deepest sympathies and in terms of constructive advice, I think it's just incredibly difficult because I wouldn't know what to suggest outside of just being endlessly patient and patient. kind. Yes, that's it. Because I think those are two of the hardest things when someone is suffering from mental health. When it's not a sickness that you can see, I think it's very hard for loved ones to not just snap and go, well, what do I do? Yes. What do I do yeah. to make you better? How can we make you better? Um, and that so- really would be the worst thing that you... It would be the worst, but it would be a human reaction Mm. because it would just come out of desperation. So for me, I would say love and patience. What about you, Dolly? I think something that you touched on that's very important to remember in situations like this is that you can't be logical and problem-solving because that would be very reductive and frustrating for the sufferer because often the sufferer 
this is something that descends on them. They have no reason why this is happening and therefore trying to kind of search for a secret logic in that you just won't find it and it will just make them feel more frustrated. So I think you just have to keep being there, keep seeing them, keep talking to them. Don't force them to talk if they don't want to. Sometimes just the presence of someone I think can be very soothing. Remember that you need support as well because you Mm. will find this traumatic and upsetting obviously nowhere near as traumatic as the person suffering but it's important to to not show that to the sufferer and to be as kind of strong and supportive as you can and then go home and weep to someone else you know or make sure you have other friends to do other things with because um i am guessing that your best friend is not someone that can be relied upon emotionally or physically so go to a justin bieber concert with friends who are Mm. finding life very easy Mm. um, rather than saying to your friend let's go to justin bieber it will cheer you up and then you know she cancels the day before because she's feeling too horrific to want to go you know make sure that you're getting your outlet elsewhere so that you don't rely on this friend because she's not a friend to be relied on right now no neither should she be she's not a friend that's going to be reliable because everything is so incredibly up in the air with 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 her situation another thing as well that might be helpful is that dolly and i were having a conversation yesterday about something and we were saying that emotional validity that no one else can tell someone else or should tell someone else how they feel so remember that even if it doesn't seem like she should be feeling the way she's feeling no one else can negate or explain or tell someone how or what or why they feel a certain way you and this is actually outside of anxiety and depression this is just something we all need to remember that if someone reacts to something or has an emotional response that is unfathomable to you that that doesn't mean that they're not allowed to feel it or that they're wrong for feeling it yeah. you you have to respond i think to someone's emotional reaction and everyone responds differently when it comes to emotions in the world and also the final thought that i would like to give you and i think is really important to remember is you are not this person's keeper and neither can you be she if someone is in that frame of mind there is nothing that you can do to stop them so you mustn't feel the weight of that responsibility on you all you can do is help her try and bring her back to herself, help her feel less alone, help her feel like she's safe and help her feel like she has someone to talk to. But you can't feel like you're her sole saviour. Put her safety first as well, I would say, as if you feel like you mentioned she'd attempted suicide, if you felt like she was going to do it again, call whoever you need to call. Yeah, whether it's immediate a, family. Whether or it's, it's a hospital or her parents, exactly. she may hate you temporarily, but you just, you know, be proactive and kind of safety first, like mm. quite so, mm. sort of quite straightforward in that sense. Make sure that obviously her mental well-being is very important, but her physical well-being. Yeah, and if, you, if it's inappropriate or for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable calling her immediate family, then as Pandora said, there are other places you can call, call the Samaritans. But don't ever feel like the weight of her life is in your hands because I'm sure she would not want you to feel that either. Just keep being there with her. A lighter topic now, but one that we will all be familiar with. Dear Pandora and Dolly, I know you are very overloaded with emails. It's nothing, don't worry. But I desperately need your help in the name of vanity slash 
lovesickness. I made the fatal millennial mistake of not having the chat with a boy I was seeing, which resulted in him coming back from France with a love bite and no love for me. <laughs> Dickhead. I haven't seen him since, and I've considered getting a lobotomy because I can't get him out of my head. She's so sassy, this girl. I love We that. have a number of mutual friends who will both be attending the same party where the theme is divas and world leaders, and I feel like the only way I will survive this occasion is with an exceptional outfit. Please help. All my love, Izzy. You need to go as a diva, Izzy, or a diva and a world leader. Yeah, that's a good idea, doing an amalgamation of the two. Here's my theory on it, and you'll know this from my recent giant cigarette costume. I think she should go funny. I think she should go forever. I think if you go wanting to look amazing for him, you'll never look amazing enough. Your value is so far beyond how you dress or what you look like. The only thing that will make you feel truly free and truly like, you know, yourself is don't dress anything for him. Go as something hilarious. Something ridiculous. I'm trying to think of a world leader and a diva who's also hilarious. I'd get, like, a bald head mask and go as, like, Winston Churchill. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that advice. Or, um... <laughs> look, if you re- look, if you really want to go looking amazing, go as, like, bloody Diana Ross or something. But I just think... I've done this so many times. I'm voting Diana Ross, by the way, Izzy. I've done this so many times where you want to impress someone who's at a party or you feel like you want to prove to them that they've made a mistake. So you kind of diet or wear this insane outfit or heap yourself with makeup. And it's like, who fucking cares? If he doesn't know how brilliant you are, no dress in the world is going to persuade him of that because he's an asshat. So you're brilliant enough as you are. Go as Winston Churchill in a bald head mask. (laughs) So Dolly says bald head mask, Winston Churchill. Is bald head mask even a thing? No, it's a, a hat, right? What would it be called? What's, it called? What's the technical term for it? Yeah, like a swimming cap. Yeah, get a nude swimming cap. A nude swimming cap. You don't need and to I say, to him. And I say Diana Ross. So keep us posted and sorry for the world's most unhelpful advice on that question. Thank you very much for listening to the Hilo. Thank you so much to Acast for the use of your studio. You can rate, review and subscribe the Hilo on iTunes. Please do. It helps boost our ratings and it also helps other people to also, find... Also, we really haven't done much begging for this. Most podcasts do much more. I, we're going to do it much more now. But it helps other people find the podcast as well. So you're doing your altruistic deed for the day. You can email us at show at gmail.com and you can tweet us at show. You can also follow us on Goodreads. Try the Hilo show without any spacing. If that doesn't work, try with spacing. We've been assured that one of those ways does work. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.